Let's take one more look back at the NLDS as we wrap up the 2023 postseason for the Braves. Also on this Miners Monday, we'll take a look at Carlos Lara and Ignacio Alvarez, two of the most exciting prospects in the Braves system. All that on today's episode of Locked On Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, Every day. Hey, and welcome back to Lockdown Braves, part of Lockdown Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on social media at Shortstop Ball. Also, make sure you check out my written work over at BravesToday.com. Posted an article about Charlie Morton and why and why not the Braves should or should not pick up his option for 2024. So make sure you go give that a read and let me know your thoughts. We'll be talking about it, obviously, on the podcast throughout this offseason. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast or follow the podcast on social media as well at LockedOn underscore Braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. Always try to include those comments during the show as well. I'm recording this live. This is actually take two. Uh, audio wasn't working the first time around. As many of you commented, it went silent, just like the Braves offense in the postseason. So uh, got that all figured out here. Again, a lot of these uh, podcasts we'll do during the offseason, we'll do them live. So if you're able to join those, I'll typically start those between 8.30, 9 p.m. Central. So uh, make sure that you look out for those. I'll send that link out on social media. If you're not already, subscribe on YouTube, hit the thumbs up button, notification bell, all that good stuff to help support us here at Locked on Braves. If you're an everyday listener, let me know down in the comments section below. I'll get back to those comments tough to kind of go through those the last couple but i promise i'll get back in those comments section now as we get into the off season for the braves and have a ton of content for you throughout the off season here at lockdown braves so make sure you subscribe all those things and help support us here also download the game time app create an account use code at locked on mlb for 20 dollars off your first purchase last minute tickets lowest price guarantee on today's episode, we're going to take one more look back at the NLDS. I don't want to do it, but I feel like now that I've had a little bit of time to kind of breathe and think about it, not that my thoughts have changed all that much, I want to give one more take on the NLDS for the Braves, what they need to change, what went wrong, all of that. So we'll discuss that, and then it's a Miners Monday episode, and we're going to start off with Giancarlos Lara and Ignacio Alvarez, two prospects that I just could not wait to get into the offseason and do a deep dive on both of those guys. I'm watching a lot of video on them, and we'll discuss them in today's episode as well. Then I'll try to get some of the questions, comments that those who are here and listening and watching live have in the comments section. So we'll get to all that here later in the show. But let's start out with one last look at the NLDS. And let's start out talking about excuses, legitimate or otherwise. There's really not a lot of them. For the Braves last year, you could make a legitimate excuse that Spencer Strider wasn't 100%. Max Freed wasn't feeling good. You could make legitimate excuses there that you were missing your top two starters. Now, coming into this year, you couldn't make that excuse for Spencer Strider, and he was really good. You can maybe make that excuse for, for Max Freed, but they won the only game that he pitched. And while he wasn't great, he at least kept the team in the game. So, even though a lot of you want to point to starting pitching, you can you know you can make the excuse about Charlie Morton, Kyle Wright not being healthy and available for Game Three. Maybe that makes a difference there, uh, but I, I really don't think you can make an excuse for 
starting pitching, like I said, other than game three. You know, if you have Charlie Morton in there, maybe he has one of his great games, keep you keeps you in it. But, you know, the biggest reason the Braves lost is the offense didn't show up. You know, that's that's the lack of offense. And, and, and making another excuse here, the long layoff hurts offense. I, I don't – it's an excuse you can – Everybody can point to the Astros and say they've overcome it. Well, that's one team, one team so far that we've seen in the two years of this new format that's been able to kind of get over that hump and get their offense going. You look at the Dodgers this year, one of the best offenses of baseball. They couldn't get going. The Braves, one of the best offenses we ever seen. They had trouble getting going. All these top seeds, the Yankees other, are the only other team other than the Astros that have been able to make it out of the, the division series as a top seed, and they were facing one of the – Worst postseason offenses that we've ever seen in the Guardians. So, look, is it an excuse? Yes. Is it one they need to get over and figure out? Yes. But I do think it is a legitimate excuse. I think you have to look at the the proof and the facts at this point. And anybody not named the Astros has really struggled offensively in this division series after this long layoff. And not, I don't think it's just a long layoff. I, I think while it is a disadvantage to go into the wild card series, you come out of that, you got that postseason adrenaline pumping already. Your hitters have already, you know, seen postseason action, seen high velocity and all of that. They are more prepared for that going into the division series than a team who's been cold and sitting down for, for five, six days, whatever it may be. That's not why the Braves lost. But I do think it is part of the reason. I think that is a legitimate excuse, even if some fans out there don't want to agree. Here's the bottom line, though. Here's why the Braves really lost, other than the offense not showing up. You look at these two teams. You look at the Phillies and the Braves, and we talked about it coming in. These are two teams that were evenly matched on paper. Obviously, the Braves, much better regular season. I think they you know, finished 13 and a half, 14 games better than the Phillies. Braves were clearly a better team over 162 than the Phillies. But when you looked at it on paper, and again, we talked about this coming in, I think it's why most Braves fans probably feared the Phillies the most, not just because of what happened last year, but they were the one team that has a lineup that could slug with the Braves. And they had two aces at the top of the rotation that could match Spencer Strider and Max Fried with you know Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler. So this was a team that I thought you know really matched up the best with the Braves out of any postseason team. And we're never going to know now, but I just feel like if the Braves offense could have gotten going and they could have just somehow squeaked past this NLDS, it doesn't make me feel any better now or it's not going to change anything. I feel like they would have run to a World Series. I just really do. And we may see the the Phillies do that now, uh, that the Braves weren't able to get it done. You look at, you know, they're already up big on, on the Diamondbacks and doing exactly what they did to the Braves here. So, But when you look at these two teams, they were evenly matched on paper. But this seemed like a lopsided series. I talked about this with Grant McCauley on the postcast, and you know he was going through, and he said this series really wasn't even close. And I, you know, I paused for a second, and I said, "Well, wait a minute. Look at the scores outside of Game Three. These were all pretty close games. It's not like the Phillies, you know, scored a ton of runs. Like I said, outside of that Game Three, these were all close games. But anybody that watching that series, it felt like it was it was lopsided. And the only thing I can point to." To say, when you look at those two teams, what is the difference? It's it's the emotion and it's the edge that the Phillies play with in the postseason. You just don't see that from the Braves. You don't see that Bryce Harper attitude, that you know Nick Castellanos attitude. And I'm not saying I love that from my players, but 
when I look at the difference between these two teams and everybody's pointed, we don't have that, that Jack Peterson. And, and I think that's exactly right. I don't know where else to go because this team is way too talented to bow out in the first round like they have. And it sounds like the Diamondbacks are scoring right now as I'm recording this. So maybe they're going to have a comeback in them, but this is, that's the only difference I see between these two teams. The Braves are just as talented, if not more, but again, when you watch that series and you see the emotion that they play with, and again, I think that's the one advantage of going through the wild card series. Yeah, it's scary because you could have a couple of games and be bounced early in the wild card round and not even make it out of it. But if you do, then you've already got that postseason feel. You've already kind of got that edge, that momentum carrying it into the division series. And the Phillies are a team, they don't need much. Uh, you know, they have, they play with a lot of confidence and they play with a huge chip on their shoulder i don't i don't see that from this braves group uh they're a great group and you hear them talk about all the time they love each other they want to play for each other and that's all great but i just don't see that killer instinct i don't see that confident confidence mentality that you see from the phillies and when i look at these two teams that's really the only difference that i see so uh, again, something has to change. You're not going to tank for the wild card. The Braves are going to continue to to win the division because they're they're a deeper, more well-rounded team over 162 than the Phillies, than the Mets, whatever they're going to look like, and even the Marlins and the Nats, obviously. The Braves are going to continue to win divisions. They're going to have to figure this thing out, uh, You know what they're going to do and change their mentality. And you've heard some comments from Alex Anthopoulos that he, he has some ideas of the way he needs to restructure things and look at building this roster together. And hopefully that's part of it. I, I don't know. If, I'm not going to sit here and say that Jack Peterson's the answer, but it's something like that. Look, even Guillermo Heredia, you know, uh, no humble, be cocky. I mean, that that type of, of attitude is just missing from this Braves team. I, I go back to the home run that Austin Riley hit in game four that put gave the Braves an early one nothing lead. And I remember watching that and I'm seeing him rounding the bases and he's getting pumped up and it, it just, it didn't seem natural to me. It didn't seem authentic. And I look at the Braves dugout and nobody's jumping over the railings. Nobody's, nobody's showing signs of life. Instead, what you're seeing is you're seeing Acuna, you know, try to silence, silence the crowd. You see Arcia barking at the Phillies crowd. It's just something's missing you know, with this team in that regard that needs to change in the postseason. That mentality just needs to change. It's talented enough. Uh, you know, I've said this before, but this team is talented enough to win a World Series. I don't think there's anybody doubting that. But in order to get over that hump, I, I think a mentality change has to be there for this team. I'm not necessarily saying you need a, a rah-rah cheerleader type like a Guillermo Heredia, but just something in the mindset of these players they need to be the ones playing with a chip on their shoulder. You go to 2021 when they won it all, you know, they went into that offseason, that postseason, nobody expecting anything out of them. And they played with that back against the wall, us against the world mentality. And you just wonder now that they are the hunted, now that they're, you know, they've ran away with they ran away with the vision this year, you know, won it six years in a row. You just wonder if the mentality changes a little bit when you're at the top like that and you don't have that that chip on your shoulder. I think they got to get back to playing with that chip on their shoulder, that it's us against the world, that, you know, they're the underdogs. They're the ones that got to come out and prove it. It just seemed like this year they thought they could just roll out, go through the motions like they did all year long and just win based on, 
you know, their talent. And when they got punched in the mouth in that first game, you know, they came back, showed a little fight in game two. But again, just going out to Philadelphia, they weren't able to to show that that killer instinct, confident mentality. It just wasn't there from this team in the postseason and wasn't there last year. So something in that regard has to change. And again, I, I don't know if bringing in, you know, different personnel with that type of mentality is really what it's going to take or if it's just that group collectively that's in there. Because look, those guys aren't going anywhere. Uh, there's not going to be a lot of changes this offseason, I don't think. And we'll obviously talk about that more as the offseason gets going. But I think that group just collectively in there needs to flip that mindset that they just can't get by going through the motions. There's got to be a little bit extra, especially when you get to the postseason. If you're going to win that division, and like I said, you're going to, you got to come out swinging in that game one. That game one is your advantage. You lose that game one in a five-game series, all the advantage goes to the other team. You know, that is your advantage as the, you know, the the top two seeds. You get that by as the setup for that game one of the division series. You have to win that. The Braves haven't done that the last two years, and it's come back to really bite them. So those are kind of my final thoughts on the NLDS for the Braves, what went wrong, some excuses, what they have to do better in the future. So I'm sure it probably won't be the last time we talk about it, but I kind of at least now that I've had a couple of days to to reflect on it, give some of my final opinions. You want to talk about that as well in the comment section. We got some here doing that um, as well. Miguel Faria saying, hey, Jake, mentality is something that you cannot teach. I, I don't know if I agree with that. I, you can change your mentality, I, I think. I hope so. I mean, you're not going to get rid of this whole group, um, but I think you definitely, there has to be a mindset change um, going going forward for this Braves this Braves team. All right, next, we'll move into our Miners Monday segment for the week. Talk about you know, Carlos Lara and Ignacio Alvarez, two Braves prospects that probably going to see rise up a lot of prospect rankings, leaderboards, or boards this offseason. We'll discuss those here next. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. They have killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat. I don't buy tickets unless I know what my view is going to look like from my seat. You can do that right there in the Game Time app. They have their best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. I use them for the Braves game I went to. This season, it was so easy. I got the best deals at the last minute. They got flash sales as well going on at the last minute that are great. So I highly recommend using this game time app, whether you're going to go to a postseason game, maybe you live close to where one's going on, or you're you know getting ready for the next season, those Falcons tickets, Hawks tickets. I think they're in the preseason right now. So whatever you're looking for for your next big event, sports, comedy, music, theater, Otherwise, you can get those all at game time. Download the game time app, create an account, use code locked on MLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again. Create an account, redeem code locked on MLB for $20 off. Download the game time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, you can catch all the postseason on SiriusXM with the SXM app. Let's get into our Miners Monday segment here. I got two prospects I'm really excited to talk about. Jan Carlos Lara being the first one. It's 20 year old right handed pitcher, six foot three, 190 pounds, signed for $10,000 out of the Dominican Republic in 2021. 
really somebody not a lot was thought of when the Braves signed him and coming over. Uh, but you look at his frame, first of all, it looks like the makings of, of a solid athletic frame when I watch him pitch. I'm not a delivery expert, but it seems pretty simple. Maybe a couple of tweaks you can make in there with the arm action to try to improve consistency. But certainly looks like a, a young athletic kid with a very good delivery. You look at his 2022 season with the DSL team, 10 games, 9 starts, a 178 ERA, but, uh, ERA, but a 1.52 whip. Just a 182 average against, though, 30 and a third innings. Only gave up 20 hits, but walked 26 batters and had 38 strikeouts. So you could see, again, even as a 19-year-old in the DSL, big strikeout potential, but walking a lot of batters, certainly something he had to work on. And in 2023, mostly at single A, although he got two starts at high A at the end of the year, 20 games, 15 games started, 81 and a third innings, a 4.09 ERA, but just a 1.25 whip, only 60 hits allowed. That's a 204 average against, 42 walks, and 114 strikeouts. Really cut down on the walks, which is what you wanted to see. Went from a 7.7 walk per nine to just over a four walk per nine. Still would like to see that to come down a little bit, but again, at just 20 years old, that's a big improvement one year from the next Fastball sits mid-90s, but tops out at 98. Um, it's hard to tell, obviously, watching these minor league broadcasts, but reports say that he has an you know, elite-induced vertical break. Induced vertical break is how much a pitch moves up or down from a point of zero. An average fastball has an induced vertical break of 18 inches, and Lara was recorded at 20 inches of induced vertical break, so that is considered elite. I'll be honest, in a couple of games that I watched, I didn't think the fastball was all that great. And at least in one of the games I watched, he really had struggle struggles locating that fastball. It's certainly one he tries to use up at the top of the zone. Um, but it, it certainly you know has can have some big velo on it and has some good spin as well. So that's great. That's what the Braves are looking for. But the pitch, the pitch that really blew me away when watching Laura was his slider, which 86, 87, you know, mid to upper 80s. It had some really sharp bite on it. This is like an elite pitch to me. And it's one, you know, I'm not comparing him to Spencer Strider, certainly not. But you look at a fastball mid to upper 90s with some good spin rates and a great hard breaking slider. I mean, that's a great mold right there. Um, but I, I love that slider. It was a big swing and miss pitch for him on, on a lot of the, the starts that I watched and had more kind of downward vertical break than it did horizontal break, like a you know a true slider or sweeper maybe. Uh, but it's just real tight last-minute break. And again, it's so many swings and misses. I posted some of these on my account on social media if you want to go back and check out some of those videos. I mean, there's other pitch, a changeup, 88-89. I, I, wish, I wish he threw a slower changeup to kind of break up the velocities, you know, mid-90s. You know, mid to high 80s slider. If he could throw that change up maybe in the lower 80s and kind of get more tilt on it, running away from left-handed pitchers. This is the one that needs work. And honestly, I don't know if that's going to be a pitch that's effective for him or not, or if he needs to to work on another pitch. But one thing I will say, one of the starts I watched, he was facing a lot of lefties. And it seemed like he was uncomfortable trying to find ways to get lefties out, what pitch to go with against the lefties. If he didn't feel comfortable throwing that back foot slider again, you know, it's much of a, it's more of kind of a vertical hard breaking slider. I think you could get 
lefties over the top of it, but certainly is a more dangerous pitch to lefties. So I think that's the next step for Laura. While I'm not, didn't make the comparison to Spencer Strider, but the pitch mix is similar, but that fastball is not as elite as Spencer Strider's. And I don't think the slider is either, although it was pretty nasty. Of course, he's facing uh, single A competition, but I think that's going to be the next thing for Laura. Can he come up with that that third pitch? And like I said, I'd like to see him, you know, develop a pitch, you know, whether it's a curveball, a big, you know, 12-10 curveball, or just, you know, working on that changeup and getting it more in the low 80s to kind of break up the velocity disparity there between those three pitches. But certainly somebody I'm very high on um, and somebody I couldn't wait to get, you know, to watch in the offseason. And I, I loved every minute of watching him. Had some big strikeout totals you know obviously there's some reliever risk there if he doesn't find the third pitch i think he'd be a dynamite you know lockdown lights out whatever you want to say reliever with that fastball slider combination so very exciting arm in the brave system don't know if he's going to crack my top 10 or not right now but uh certainly somebody that's got a lot of helium in this system that i think is only going to get better uh the other player i watched this week somebody we're very familiar with uh, somebody I talk about a lot, and that's Ignacio Nacho Alvarez. Fifth-round pick in 2022 out of Riverside Community College. Nobody saw it coming for him. Everybody thrown off by that pick. Five foot 11, 190 pounds, just 20 years old, coming out of Community College. Uh, last year, after getting drafted, played in 30 games, slash 287, 451, 394. That's an 845 OPS, but just three doubles and a home run. 26 walks to 15 strikeouts and eight stolen bases. And then this year, 2023, all at high A. And there was some speculation that maybe he needed to move up from high A, especially early in the year where he was just walking a ton. But I think it was smart by the Braves. Um, 116 games, 284, 395, 391 slash lines, the 786 OPS, 24 doubles, seven home runs. So showed you a little bit more power. 66 walks to 87 strikeouts, 16 stolen bases, was caught stealing five times as well. Kind of struggled down the stretch. Missed a week there towards the end of the season, assuming with an injury. Uh, and also, uh, just his first full season of pro ball, most he'd ever played in a season. So, you know, maybe there that's why he kind of struggled down the stretch. But he hit just 266 in August with three walks to 16 strikeouts. That is not like Ignacio Alvarez. And then hit 269 in seven September games with just uh, five walks and seven strikeouts, just three doubles and a home run over those last two months. So certainly showed signs of tiring, I think, those last couple of months for Nacho. The bat's really not the concern here. I talked about the bat a lot. I think it's the best bat in the Braves system. He's going to hit for average. He's going to get on base. It feels like a similar profile to Justin Henry Malloy, which – he got traded. I hope the Braves don't trade Ignacio Alvarez for one year of a reliever this offseason, but it's a similar type of profile with the bat. And it's similar to the fact that I don't know where he's going to play. Now, the other question is, too, will, will the power come? When I was watching him, several balls that he, he squared up. I mean, again, this guy can, can hit a baseball. He can square a baseball up, but they were all dying you know, in the in the outfield. So I'm not even reaching the warning track that just the contact, it looked like it should have easily gotten in a gap. I think, you know, he's still just 20. So there's still potential there to to put on some muscle and gain some velocity, gain some, uh, you know, gain some uh, link there with the power. 
uh, gain some power there is what I'm trying to say. Uh, so there's still room for that, but I think that is one of the big questions. And then where does he play? They've had him at or had him at shortstop most of this year. 107 games at shortstop this year, 965 building percentage. Take that for whatever you will. In my opinion, brief watches. I did not go back and watch every game of him defensively, but in the games that I did watch and saw him make plays at shortstop, he's not a shortstop in my personal opinion. He doesn't look athletic enough. I don't think the range is there. I think the arm could be fine. But just in the plays that I watched, it didn't seem like I was watching a, a natural shortstop. Um, third base is probably his best position and probably where he should land. Obviously, third base is blocked for a long time, but it's probably where he needs to be. I think the Braves are, are pushing him at shortstop just because they need some more depth there, and it's where they potentially have an opening in the future. I just don't see it for him. Uh, again, he's 20. He could certainly change my mind and grow into it, but – just for me personally, doesn't look like a future shortstop at the big league level. So that's my only real concern with him is, is where does he play? You know, if not shortstop, obviously third base locked up for a while. I think you do waste the arm a little bit moving him to the, the right side. Um, but either way, the bat's going to be there. I think the bat is certainly going to play. Um, that is not a concern at all. The only concern is is where does he play defensively? And I think he'd be fine at shortstop. I think it'd be a similar situation to Von Grissom, where you know he could make the plays, he could get it done. But I, I don't see him ever being an above average defender at shortstop. So clip this, and you can put it on cold takes exposed if that changes. But just my personal opinion, I, I don't see him being a great defensive above average even shortstop defensively. So. That's our first round of Miners Monday. Again, I'll be looking at two guys every Monday during the offseason, building up to my top 10 prospects list, probably sometime uh, late January, early February. So looking forward to doing these all season long, going back and looking at the tape. All right, next, we'll get into some of the comments and questions that we have here. Before we do that, let me tell you about FanDuel. October baseball is here, and you can make your postseason debut with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Join FanDuel today, and you'll get started with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to create your account. Then you can get on the, get in on the action from the first pitch until the final out. Bet on everything from strikeouts to home runs to who will win the game. And if you don't want to wait the whole game to get a W, predict what will happen in the next at bat with quick bets. So head on over to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn right now. Step up to the plate this postseason with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Also, visit FanDuel.com slash PlaySafe for tools and resources to help you stay in control of the way you play. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Again, if you'd like to continue following the postseason, it will be postseason. You can do that over on SiriusXM on the SXM app. All right, went a little long here, so apologize. Don't have a ton of time uh, for questions. Uh, Robert Chisano says, Jake, we haven't, uh, the Braves haven't clicked any of their young pitchers with the exception of Strider. It seems like all their homegrown guys have either got hurt or was a letdown. Um, good point. Uh, I think certainly, you know, you look at Ian Anderson, came up, was great, and then struggled and has gotten hurt. Kyle Wright, you know, was kind of, Coming up, back down, and now he's hurt. Um, you can look at Max Freed, too. Look, I know the Braves traded for him, but he essentially came through the Braves system 
and has worked out really well. Michael Soroka was great coming up and then got hurt. I, I mean, when you look at the Braves in this rebuild and what they did, they went out and got a lot of young pitching talent knowing if just two, three of those guys hit, then you got yourself a really good rotation. And I think that's still the game plan. You look at their drafts. I think they're going out and just acquiring, you know, upside pitching, and you're hoping that one or two of those stick. I mean, with the way that injuries are, especially for pitchers in baseball, that's, you know, that's kind of the game plan is to just gather as many good pitching arms as you can and hope that a couple of those click. I think the Braves have done a good job developing these arms, but keeping them healthy has certainly been a problem, and that's a problem for all teams right now. Um, George Smith, no, I don't think Morton would be good in the bullpen. If he comes back, he's going to be a starter. They're certainly not going to pay him $20 million, uh, to be in the bullpen. Uh, Brian McGrath says, I think MH2 was my biggest disappointment at the plate. Absolutely absent. Yeah, uh, and it's two postseasons in a row now for Michael Harris. I don't – again, I, I don't know what – what you got to do differently there, uh, but certainly need to get him going um, and have some big moments in the postseason. Uh, Nick Young, pitching wasn't the problem. We had a hot Phillies team, to th- held a hot Phillies team to three runs, one game, four runs, and three games in game, game four. Yeah, and pitching was great. Pitching did not cause the Braves that series. They did their job against that good Phillies lineup. Braves lineup just didn't show up. Uh, Alan Baref- Barefoot says, Grissom will be traded this winter. I can see it coming. Look, here's the thing. I've been consistently saying this since, I guess, when we were talking the trade deadline. If you're going to trade Von Grissom, it better be for a middle rotation pitcher that has at least two years of control because you are getting rid of a guy that I think is going to hit at the big league level. Uh, you know, he's probably might not be an 800, 850 OPS guy, but I think he's pretty safe floor as a 750, 780 OPS guy. I, I still envision, envision Grissom. I, as a Chris Taylor, Kike Hernandez type role where he just kind of plays all over, starts four or five games a week and just really has a good bat. That's still my hope for Von Grissom with this team. But if there's a trade to be made and you could make an, an upgrade, you know, like I said, add some depth either in the rotation or maybe in left field and you get a guy with control, I certainly wouldn't lose sleep over trading Von Grissom, but I wouldn't give him away. Uh, Brian McGrath, our Jock and Duvall available if we can't find a solid everyday left fielder. I don't know if Duvall's a free agent or not. I don't remember his deal with the Red Sox. Uh, try to look it up real quick. But Jock should be available. He signed a qualifying offer with the Giants, so they can't offer that to him again. So he he will hit uh, free agency this offseason unless the Giants just happen to snatch him back up before um, you know he's able to, to hit the open market. Looks like Adam Duvall is available. Uh, as well. So would have both of those guys. I wouldn't get both of them, um, but certainly they will be an option. Team Fish, got to keep Nicky Lopez. Pretty sure he's under team control through arbitration. Will be a, another you know bench piece for defense. Uh, Miguel Freya, I don't, I don't know why Snicker doesn't like Grissom. I see Grissom uh, that will fit well in the two, second spot. Where are you going to play him, though, in the field? Um, that's, you know, that's the problem with Grissom right now. It's not that nobody likes him. He certainly has a good bat, but where are you going to put him? Um, Ronak Patel says, what do you think about getting Bellager expensive? Maybe, but good replacement for Azuna. I think he's going to be way too expensive. His expected numbers are not great. Uh, he had great, you know, great, uh, was able to hit the sweet spot a lot this year and get some, you know, weak line drives that fell in, but I would not buy high on, on Cody Bellinger right now. Um, Boogie says, not sure if y'all spoke about it, but do you think Pilar will still be on the team next year? I don't, I would be su- surprised if 
um, Pillar decides to hang it up after this season. That'll do it for this episode of Lockdown Braves. Again, make sure you catch every pitch of the postseason with SiriusXM on the SXM app. I'll be doing these shows live throughout the offseason, so make sure you look out for that as well when we go live uh, this offseason, talking all about free agents, what's coming up for the Braves, arbitration cases, all of that coming up this offseason. So make sure you subscribe to Lockdown Braves. Make sure you listen to the Lockdown Braves podcast each and every day. Again, thanks for listening. All those who are here live, listening on, on replay, all of that. Really appreciate all the support. Let's continue the conversation in the chat down in the YouTube section. Follow us on social media, shortstop ball, locked on underscore Braves. Subscribe on YouTube if you're new and subscribe to Locked On Braves wherever you get your podcast. And we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias, DC Lundberg, Ryan Finkelstein, Taylor Blake Ward, host of Locked On Yankees, Locked On Mariners, Locked On Mets, Locked On Angels, and you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 